Welcome to Words Matter with Katie Barlow and Joe Lockhart. Welcome to a special edition of Words Matter. Joe, Tuesday was an historic day in Washington and for the country. We wanted to try and explain to our listeners what happened, what it means, and what may happen next. So let's start with what happened. What happened is the president of the United States, Donald Trump, is accused of using the power of his office to extort a foreign government with holding military aid in return for digging up dirt or manufacturing dirt on a political rival, his main rival in the 2020 presidential election. That's the story, period, full stop. And that's an abuse of power. In my view, it's a crime and it's an impeachable offense. So on Tuesday, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi took the step she had been reluctant to take with all of the other things this president has been accused of since he took office. The Speaker announced that the House would begin formal impeachment proceedings into the conduct of President Donald Trump. All right, Joe, this story has moved incredibly fast. So let's talk about what brought us to this historic moment. About 10 days ago, we learned that the House Intelligence Committee had become aware of a whistleblower complaint filed by a member of the intelligence community that had been deemed credible and urgent by the Inspector General for the Intelligence Community. So, Joe, how did we go from finding out the conduct involved the president to a formal House impeachment inquiry in less than a week? Well, this has actually been coming for quite some time. The House caucus led by Nancy Pelosi has been looking at these issues, everything from the Mueller report to the president profiting from his uh, personal business to the stonewalling of the White House, all possible impeachable offenses. But Pelosi didn't think uh, she had her entire caucus behind her to move forward with impeachment. There are 40 or so vulnerable Democrats, uh, freshmen, who won in uh, basically Republican districts or very competitive districts. And her priority was to make sure that she didn't make them more vulnerable. But there was growing pressure on Pelosi and, and even those vulnerable Democrats. What are you doing? He's getting away with it. It sets the historical president that the president can abuse power with no consequences. You're weakening Congress. It's a constitutional crisis, all these things. So Ukraine comes. Well, what's different about this scandal? What's different about this scandal is everything that we've talked about, particularly in the Mueller report, happened in 2016 and happened in 2017. And one of the reasons I believe that only 37, 38 percent of the country supported an impeachment process was that two-thirds of the country almost didn't want impeachment, uh, many of them because either they were rabid supporters of Trump or they were Democrats and independents who said, let's beat them at the ballot box. Let's not go through this national upheaval and you know terribly divisive process of impeachment. This is different. This isn't looking backwards. This is looking forward. You now have Trump on the record saying he is willing to use the power of the presidency to pervert the next election. Calling it ironic is the understatement of the century. All of the Mueller report was about foreign interference in the election. What Trump did with Ukraine 
even if it's just what he's admitted to and we never learn anything else, is encouraging more foreign interference. That, I think, for the country, for vulnerable Democrats in the House, particularly the seven uh, who wrote an op-ed for The Washington Post, and for Nancy Pelosi was a bridge too far. So, yes, this moved with incredible speed, but there is a backstory that's been going on for months that um, set up the last 10 days. Joe, you mentioned Speaker Pelosi, and and I want to talk about her for a minute. She has taken a lot for not taking this step earlier with the Mueller report or any of the other charges swirling around this White House and this president. And the pressure seemed to be building among her fellow Democrats. In hindsight, does the Speaker's previous reluctance put Democrats in a much stronger position as they take this step? Or was she pushed into making a decision by pressure from her members, specifically the seven that you mentioned that wrote the op-ed? I think we found out over the last couple of months why Speaker Pelosi has never lost a vote as Speaker. There is no one in a generation who understands how to push the levers of power in the House of Representatives better than Nancy Pelosi. Her reluctance to move was strategic. Her moving today is strategic. If you look at this, you take a step back. Uh, Speaker Pelosi could have taken articles of impeachment to the floor with a divided Democratic Congress, with a country that wasn't really into it. Instead, she took a lot of heat, a lot of criticism, particularly from the presidential candidates and the progressive wing of the party. But she understood that it wasn't the media that she was accountable. She understood that she wasn't accountable to the presidential candidates or the pundits or to Twitter. She understood that she was accountable to her caucus. And that was her guiding principle through this entire thing. And to get to the second part of your question, yes, it puts the Democrats in a much stronger position than they would have been if she had moved three or four months ago. What has happened in that time is the administration has stonewalled. They've done exactly what Richard Nixon did, which is they've shown contempt for Congress. And she is now able to say, we had no choice. This is not political. This is constitutional. She could not do that three or four months ago. She could do it today. I think you have witnessed a master uh, practicing um, her art in a way that we just don't see anymore in Washington. All right. And something else happened on Tuesday that's important. The Senate voted by unanimous consent on a resolution calling for the Trump administration to release the whistleblower complaint to the Senate Intelligence Committee. Now, Joe, this is a Senate that hasn't been unanimous on pretty much anything. How significant was that step? Well, I think it is significant that uh, Mitch McConnell, for the first time in a long time, bowed to reality rather than the fiction that he and Donald Trump have been perpetrating on the country. It is the law that this has to come, and they knew they would lose very quickly in court uh, on on this. Uh, And I think McConnell also understands that the dynamic has changed, that these allegations and the things that the president has admitted to on the pressure he put on the Ukrainian president have changed the dynamic completely. The White House and McConnell, who talk 20 times a day, uh, realized that dynamic had changed. That's why Donald Trump was on the phone with Nancy Pelosi this week trying to make a deal with her. 
to not go forward with, with impeachment. It does put to rest the silly narrative that Trump was trying to goad the Democrats uh, into impeaching him because he thinks it helps him. The president does not want to be impeached. He's not a particularly bright man, but he's not that stupid. Uh, impeachment does not uh, work for him. You know, one inside the Beltway point, the Senate didn't vote unanimously to ask the president to release the whistleblower report. They did it by unanimous consent, which means no Republican can had to go down to the floor and say aye. So even in their acquiescing to the law, McConnell found a way to do it in a weaselly way, which um, he's wont to do. I want to talk about one of the interesting things about this particular scandal, and that's that to a large degree, it's happened out in the open, in public and on the record. Both President Trump and his personal envoy, Rudy Giuliani, have publicly admitted that they have spoken to Ukrainian officials about investigating one of his Democratic rivals. In fact, back in May, Giuliani told The New York Times, quote, we're not meddling in an election, we're meddling in an investigation, which we have a right to do. So, Joe, how is this different from the literally dozens of scandals that this White House and this president have faced since the beginning? Well, first off, I think it directly impacts the next election. Uh, I think the public uh, feels very strongly that they have a right to an election that they have confidence in, that's free and fair, that is not subject to political dirty tricks, that's not subject to foreign interference. And what they're seeing right now is a president and his team that is implementing what the president told George Stephanopoulos he'd be happy to do which was to go out and get dirt from foreign governments. And it's probably the simplest and easiest to explain, digest, understand uh, of all the Trump uh, abuses of power, I think, for the average American. The president of the United States has enormous power. Uh, Ukraine desperately needed the military aid that the Congress appropriated on a bipartisan basis. That aid, the president held up, and there were there were multiple excuses used publicly by the White House uh, that we were waiting for Europe to give more money, even though Europe gives twice as much money as the United States does in military aid to Ukraine. Uh, so that excuse was silly. There were some vague things about corruption. We now know why he held it up. He held it up because he wanted to use the power of the American presidency to try to sink Joe Biden's presidential campaign. That you can understand. We understood it when Richard Nixon did it. We understand it now when Donald Trump is doing it. The cameo or best supporting actor in this of Rudy Giuliani is also fascinating. And this, I think, will become key going forward. There are a bunch of people in Washington right now who are lawyering up and looking to cover their own ass. Rudy, I think the administration had hoped, would say that he was off doing this on his own. And that would put Rudy Giuliani in some jeopardy, but would in some ways indemnify the administration from having to take responsibility. Well, not Mayor Rudy. He's on TV every day saying the State Department told me to do this. It creates a whole new level and a rich mine of investigation on who knew in the government, when did they know it, what did they know, the classic scandal questions that Washington gets gripped with. So we're just at the tip of the iceberg on this. What makes this one more dramatic and, you know, must-see TV 
is you've got a character in it that just might be crazier than Trump, and that's Rudy Giuliani. So my guess is at the White House, they're either blissfully ignorant about what they're about to walk into or understand it completely, and everyone is trying to figure out how to protect themselves. And that is a recipe for we're going to find out everything. One of our favorite guests, Washington Post media critic Margaret Sullivan, described Trump's strategy as counterpunch, confuse, and con. Margaret says the success of this strategy is dependent on the media repeating Trump's charges against his opponent. And his opponent that's mentioned in this scandal is Joe Biden and Joe Biden's son, Hunter. So the question for you is, is that what he's doing? And is that going to actually be successful here? What do you think? Well, I think Margaret is onto something, uh, as as always, which is why we love having her on the program. This is the 2019 version of swift boating. And to remind everybody what swift boating is, John Kerry, who was running in 2004 for president and was a decorated veteran from the Vietnam War, was running against George Bush, who, for whatever his reasons, had avoided the draft. His handlers and Republican operatives knew that this was a problem. And John Kerry highlighted his military service at the convention. And what happened next was an independent campaign that went after John Kerry for being anti-American and for being a coward and telling stories about how not only was he not a hero, he shied away from the fight. When his life was on the line, he was a coward. None of this was true. None of this was true. Let me say it again. None of it was true. The Kerry campaign, in their wisdom, did not push back very hard. And before you knew it, without spending a whole lot of money, the public perception of John Kerry changed. It is the Republican playbook of saying, I'm going to take your best quality and our most difficult vulnerability, and I'm going to attack your quality and make it look like you're the one who's weak on something. So here are the facts. Among Joe Biden's many responsibilities, as vice president, is he was the point person for several foreign policy initiatives. One of them was what to do in Ukraine. Ukraine had had area annexed by Russia. There is a large Russian-backed faction of Ukrainian politics that were ascendant during some of this time. And the people running Ukraine in the 2014 period, the more pro-Russian faction, were incredibly corrupt. So the International Monetary Fund, the EU, and the U.S. got together and basically went into Ukraine and said, we're going to cut off aid to you if this prosecutor who keeps letting the oligarchs run wild in Ukraine, particularly the pro-Russian oligarchs, and keeps corruption rampant, if you don't replace him and put somebody in who will crack down on this, we're going to stop giving you aid. The point person on that was Joe Biden. So Joe Biden went in and said, you have to replace this guy who's letting all of these companies get away with rampant corruption or your, your aid's at risk. Why was Joe Biden the right person to do that? Because whatever you think about Joe Biden's policy positions and his past, people believe he's an honest guy because he is an honest guy. He was not in this to make a buck. He's not a grifter like Donald Trump. So what have the Republicans done? They're swift boating him. They're now saying he's been there and he was making millions of dollars and he was doing it to push uh, a business that his son was involved in. 
when in fact the prosecutor in question, according to the reporters who looked into this, was letting that company slide and not prosecuting that company. So in a sense, Joe Biden was going in and saying, we need you to be tougher on these companies. But this is politics. Facts don't matter. And this is what the Trump strategy is and is going to be, which is to make this about Joe Biden's character. The reality is Trump had business relationships with the very oligarchs in there who were ripping the country off. So you see it in 2019, the same you saw it in 2004, which is unscrupulous, dishonest political operatives trying to turn a negative into a positive. Margaret Sullivan is right. This will only work if the media plays along. I have no reason to believe at this point that they won't. We've seen, I'll call out some of my colleagues at, at CNN, where I am a contributor, they have been extraordinarily careful not to do it. And they've made very clear every time this subject comes on that these charges are not true, there's nothing to them, and that they're politically motivated. But it's hard to go anywhere on the internet and not see this seeping into the consciousness of voters. So it's a challenge for the media. Are they up to it? I doubt it, but I hope so. Well, an interesting part of Trump's strategy came into play Wednesday morning. We saw the White House released a call summary of Trump's phone call with the president of Ukraine. In it, we learned that the president did raise investigating Biden in his phone call with the president of Ukraine. Does that change the landscape at all? Well, it's interesting because I think a, a, a narrative was beginning to form in Washington that the transcript was going to be nothing and the Democrats would need more. The transcript is a bombshell. It is the president directly saying that he wants the president of Ukraine to look into Joe Biden and to look into Joe Biden's son. He wants the president of Ukraine to get in contact with Rudy Giuliani, his private lawyer, and Bill Barr, the attorney general, who acts like he's the president's private lawyer rather than the attorney general, and get to the bottom of this mythic scandal. One important thing to remind people of, and we talked about it at the beginning, but let's remember the context of this. While they're having this telephone call, Donald Trump, the Pentagon, the State Department is telling the Ukraine, yeah, we have $250 million for you, but we're not going to give it to you. We're just not going to give it to you yet. And he was using the power of this bipartisan money that Ukraine needed to fight the Russians, our enemy, Donald Trump's friends. Ukraine needed it. And Donald Trump was saying, you can only get it if you manufacture something on Joe Biden and Joe Biden's son. That's an abuse of power. Now, the, the really interesting thing for me is, is the White House was signaling clearly yesterday that the transcript was a nothing burger. Well, the transcript wasn't a nothing burger, which leads me to believe that the whistleblower complaint is more explosive than we thought it might be. And then when you start turning over the rocks, for instance, the New York Times is reporting now that two intelligence committee sources went to the Justice Department and said, you need to investigate this. And the Justice Department said no. These are the sort of daily revelations I think we're going to get and why bringing this back to our first point, Pelosi and the Democrats are in a much stronger position having moved 
this week rather than three months ago. And finally, Joe, one of the reasons Speaker Pelosi had been reluctant to begin a formal impeachment proceeding is because once this process starts, the House will either have to vote to impeach the president or decide there wasn't enough evidence to do so. So with that caveat that there's a lot we don't yet know, how do you see this playing out? Well, I think that it's a very real concern. You can't start in in the middle say, oh, never mind, because if you say, oh, never mind, that is the equivalent of a blanket acquittal. So I think politically, this is why this was such a difficult question. Let me say how I think it should play out. I think the speaker has to do a couple of things. I think she should appoint a select committee. The House Judiciary Committee has become a circus. With all due respect to Chairman Nadler, uh, he's a very serious guy, knows the committee well, knows what he's doing. But from a communications point of view, is no match for the theatrics of Doug Collins and Jim Jordan and, and the like. So I say take it out of that committee, put it in a select committee where you pull from intel, judiciary, oversight, financial services. And if I were in charge of the world, I'd put Adam Schiff in charge because I think he's been the most effective interrogator and, and communicator around the Russia issues over the last two years. Impeachment will, and I believe there will be articles of impeachment about several of the things that we already know about. Ukraine will just be one of them. They need to move quickly and they need to have an end date. Moving between now and the end of the year is realistic. I don't think they need to do dozens of public hearings going through every single piece of evidence and information they have. I would reserve the public hearings for the big witnesses. Dan Coates now seems to loom large as a witness who could shed a lot of light onto uh, what happened in this case, whoever the, the, the top five or six, and do those in a very high-profile way. Most of all, they have to move forward in a way that shows that this is not about politics and that this is about the Constitution. And they do that by not trying to take advantage of every move and not trying to play for every news cycle, not trying to remove the president through the drip drip of public political shame, but take this very seriously for what it is and keep your eye on the end and don't worry about day to day. And lastly, Joe, like the speaker for months, you have been hesitant on encouraging impeachment. And now here we are. So have you changed your mind? I have changed my mind. I, I tweeted last Friday night that the revelations about Ukraine had moved me from a place of saying, let's go slow. We don't need to impeach. Let's beat him at the ballot box to we have to impeach and we have to impeach now. My reasons, I, we've talked about this, Katie, several times a month for the last four or five months. And my reasons for the previous position I wrote in the New York Times were simple, which is, impeachment's a gamble. I think Donald Trump will have a very hard time with the current dynamic pre-Ukraine getting reelected. And I think he is going to be an albatross for the Republican Party. And that's a very good thing for the country. A progressive majority is what I'm most concerned about going forward. So that was my view. And I felt strongly that the ballot box was the place to beat him rather than a bunch of politicians in Washington beating him. The people saying, you're not fit to be president. Ukraine 
changed everything for me, which was why, you know, 9.30 on a Friday night when I, you know, sort of got caught up with the story, I tweeted that my position had changed. Ukraine is about going forward. It's about what is going to happen. And the president has made clear that not only was he not chastened by the Mueller report and the Mueller testimony, he was emboldened by it. What he took from that whole process of two years was, well, they didn't do anything to me on this. I can now go be more aggressive about getting foreign governments to interfere in our elections. Well, that's that's the red line, and or at least that was the red line for me. It took some Democrats the weekend and a couple extra days to get there, but I think the president, as he got more aggressive as the week started in admitting to what he did and then unbelievably saying he'd do it again. That's pulled a switch for a lot of Democrats. And I think once the seven moderates wrote for the Washington Post on Monday night that this was over. As I look back on this, I don't see a whole lot of inconsistency in my position. I do see one flaw in my logic. And and that's what I said a moment ago. I naively thought what Mueller did would put guardrails on Trump from doing anything like this again. And that was naive because it had the exact opposite impact. It emboldened him. And that's why the Democrats will impeach him. And that's why Republicans in the Senate are going to have a very difficult time covering for him this time. They will because, you know, their formula is is terrible, which is oppose the president and lose 50, 60 percent of your vote overnight. Be with the president and there's about 60 percent of the public who will never vote for you. So which way do you want to lose? That's the formula they have. So it'll be fun watching Mitch McConnell manage this. Well, Thanks, Joe. And thank you all for listening to this special edition of Words Matter. We will continue to cover and ask questions about this extraordinary moment in American history. Until next week. Thank you for listening to Words Matter. For more information on our show and hosts, visit wordsmattermedia.com. Please rate and review Words Matter on Apple Podcasts and other podcast providers.